I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Please now to have back on the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Bud Light, three-time Super Bowl winner and the lead analyst for NFL on Fox, Troy Aikman. How are you, Troy? I'm good, Rich. Thanks for having me on. Hey, what a first week. That was yeah. that was ridiculous, wasn't it? It was uh it was pretty crazy. You know, it's interesting, you know, all the talk about what the lockout was going to do and a couple of things. First was that the the undrafted free agent was going to be hurt by it, and yet there were more undrafted free agents that made opening day rosters since two thousand and three. So that's pretty impressive. And then, you know, everyone kinda of thought, including myself, that well, Early on, then offenses are going to struggle, and it's going to be more about defensive football. And and you know, I mean, there's there's teams that that scored 30 points, and they're after one week ranked like sixth in the NFL in scoring and stuff. I mean, the scoring and the yardage was was off the charts, and then culminated last night by Tom Brady's yeah, performance. I mean, that was ridiculous in that respect. Five times, five times, five different games, we saw both quarterbacks throw for over 300 yards, Troy, and uh, we saw it uh, first night of the season with Rodgers and yeah. Breeze, and we thought, well, maybe maybe it's just because those are two A-list quarterbacks at the top of their A games, but we then saw offenses are in front of defenses. They are. They are. It's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big surprise to me because... You know, I mean, it happens every year. Even when you have an entire offseason, defenses are ahead of offenses because it's so uh, it's so hard to really put together an offensive unit relative to a defense and get everyone operating on all cylinders. And so that was that was surprising, but it it, it sure <laughs> it sure made for a great weekend of football. When you see 517 yards of passing from Tom Brady, uh, who better to ask than a fellow three-time Super Bowl winner himself? What what do you think when you watch a quarterback do what Tom Brady did on Monday Night Football? Well, here's what I think, Rich. Um, the great Pat Summerall uh, once said that we were all born too soon. And, and what he meant by that was that no matter when you were born, the people who come after you generally have it a little bit better or technology is <laughs> a little bit better, and then you had it better than the people before you. But we were all born too soon, and I look at what's happened around the league just in the last 10 years, you know, since I got out of the game, and what fun it would be to be playing quarterback in the National Football League right now relative to what the teams are doing offensively. And, you know, Tom Brady and, and you know, others, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, but speaking of Tom Brady's performance last night, uh, it, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, it, I enjoy watching someone who plays at that level. But then to to watch a guy like Brady, who not only is playing great, but has complete command of the game and situations, and you know all the things that Bill Belichick preaches to his team about situational football, his quarterback executes. And uh, I mean, I think I think Belichick's pretty awesome, you know, and we all do as a coach. But he sure is a hell of a lot better having Brady as his quarterback. Well, and, and I'd love you for you to pull the hood off of this in 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 this respect. I mean, Vontae Davis, who wrote a lot of checks this uh, offseason with his mouth, talking about how he and Sean Smith are the best corners in the, in the business, both of them cramped up on Monday night. <laughs> and, and hey, I'm just, don't shoot, you know, don't shoot the messenger here, right? Both of, both of them cramped up. But yeah. Brady, as soon as Vontae Davis left the field, Brady started going right at his replacement and kept pounding this kid right. because they realized on the spot 
or perhaps maybe even before the game realized that this guy is not as good as Vontae Davis and they're going to start going right at it. it and, and, and the whole time, it just seems like they better, more than any other team, realize in the moment advantages and pounce on them. How, how does that happen? I, I would agree. I mean, I think that uh, as coaches, you know, most coaches, I don't, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, anoint the Patriots to where the, you get the idea that other coaches don't do it. They certainly do it around the league. But I think in terms of who does it best, I think the New England Patriots over the years have certainly done that. And they understand it. I mean, Tom Brady understands it. Belichick understands it. The entire staff does as far as what the matchups are. And at the end of the day, that's really what this game is, is, you know, to try to exploit the matchups that are, that are favorable to you. I, I remember a couple of years ago, Rich, we were doing an Indianapolis Colts game, and I forget exactly who they were getting ready to play. But it might have been the Packers at the time. But Packers were pretty banged up, and they may they were going to going to potentially be going with a uh, with a couple of young corners. And I was talking to Peyton Manning on the field prior to the game, and he said, "Hey, I just heard so and so is going to be inactive today." I said, "Yeah, I don't know for sur- for sure, but there's there's talk that he might be." And he says, "Well, if that happens," and he went through about three deep at corner as to who was going to then be on the field and match up with all his different receivers. And uh, he, w- he he was really looking forward to it. So when I saw that that player was inactive, you know, I came out on camera to start the game, and I said, you know, I'm not so sure the Colts will even run the ball here in the first half. And sure enough, Peyton threw for about 280 yards in the first half on him and just completely uh, went after this one particular young player. And, you know, that's why these guys are the best. They get it. They study it. They know what they're doing going into a game. Uh, and it shows each and every Sunday when you watch them play. And that's why when they're not there, the team takes a big step back, as the Colts yes. obviously did this week. However, uh, even when Brady went down, Matt Castle darn near took the team to the playoffs yeah. be- because the Patriots ran a certain system in which obviously Brady does it the best. And clearly they're not as good of a team without him uh, than they are with him. Um, but that said, the Colts seem to have an offense as Marshall Falk and Kurt Warner on our pregame show this past week described it. Essentially, it's like this, I, I, hearing what they said, I, I likened it to that alien spaceship in Independence Day, Troy, <laughs> like this this high-level piece of machinery that only one life force on the, uh, in the galaxy can operate at a certain level or at all. And now the Colts, without Peyton Manning, have to completely change everything yeah. to move forward. And your former, your triplet for life, Michael Irvin, on the same uh, pregame show, blasted Bill Polian for having that uh, system in place. But I mean, how can you blame him when you got somebody like Peyton Manning never gets hurt? I'd love to know what well, your thought is on that. Well, here's my thoughts on it: are this is that when I was when I was playing, I really you know, did not care who my backup was uh, as far as who was going to play if I wasn't playing. Now, I, I cared who was my backup with regards to being in the meeting room and, you know, all of those things. But if I wasn't on the field, I, I you know, I didn't care. I mean, but I really felt that as an organization or other players within that locker room, they do care. And it's unfair to all these other players that if you lose your starting quarterback, that you're basically then just saying, okay, well, we're then, we're then throwing in the towel and we're not going to achieve anything close to what we had set out to do when the season began. Is that to imply that anybody can step in and fill the shoes of a Peyton Manning? Absolutely not. But when you go into the season or go into the off season and your starting quarterback has had neck surgery and there's questions as to whether or not he may be back. Now, I don't know to what extent, but obviously there had to have at least been some concern as to whether or not he'd be able to play. But irregardless, 
you know, they go with Kerry Collins, who I think the world of, but Kerry Collins was just signed a few weeks ago. I mean, so they, they really did not address or didn't feel comfortable with who their backup was. And I think that's a disservice, whether it's the Colts or any other organization. And that's not to say that you, you have to have a veteran guy. I mean, for instance, you mentioned when Matt Castle stepped in for Tom Brady. Well, Matt Castle hadn't played, he hadn't started a game since high school. Right. But yet there was something that Bill Belichick saw that said, hey, if we do lose Tom Brady, and, you know, rest assured, uh, for all the accolades that Bill Belichick gets, he's not going to go into the season with some guy who he doesn't think can go win a football game for him at the backup quarterback position. And sure enough, Castle steps in and, and, and plays well with, with what he was asked to do. So I would agree with that, that it wasn't handled very well. Now, um, that's us on the outside without – really having the the full deck of cards as to okay what communications were taking place well what, if, if there wasn't you know. a lockout though you know what i mean like if there wasn't that's a right. lockout that's maybe right. they would have been able to find right. and 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 sift through uh whatever free agents no are out question. there i mean that that hurt them a little bit i think but what the the overarching point is is here you've got a system that peyton manning basically essentially wrote i mean marshall falk went on the air this week and said said basically when clyde christensen came in peyton taught him the offense and (laughs) and 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 are should you even when you have somebody like peyton manning a once in a lifetime talent should you have a system that that if somehow god forbid this guy goes down as he did this year you have to completely scrap it and start from scratch or do you just say, throw caution in the wind and say, you know what, we have a once-in-a-lifetime talent. Let's just keep riding this horse, and if it goes down, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it then. And unfortunately, they're dealing with it right then. And Michael is, Irvin is all over Bill Polian for just going with the flow for the last 14 years. Um, well, I, it's hard to say. You know, I mean, the, 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 I mean, I could see where Michael would say that. I, would, I could see where other people would say that. The only, the only reason that you can't completely buy into that is because we don't know. I mean, we don't know what might have happened. If Peyton had gotten hurt in previous years, you know, I mean, we saw what happened in New England when Brady went down, but we don't know because he hadn't been he hadn't been hurt. Um, and and you're right about the lockout. I mean, that certainly hamstrung the Colts in a lot of ways. You know, once once Peyton had the neck surgery and whether or not he was going to be able to come back. So I think from that standpoint, you you do got to. You do have to give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't know that you can argue with Bill Polian as far as what he <laughs> what he's done, right. where he has been, you know, in putting together a roster. But you know, I know in Dallas when I was playing, we had no backup to speak of to Emmett Smith, and we, we you know we just kind of said, okay, well, if we lose him, we lose him, and you know he stayed pretty healthy for us. He only missed I think four games through his career, so you know it's it's hard to acknowledge. You know, if Jim Sorge had had to come in and play one of those years, uh, you know, could they have gone on and still won games? You know, we don't know. We don't know the answer to that. Obviously, they felt that he could have. But it's just a shame from my perspective. And it's early. I mean, I I know this. It's a week-to-week league. Everybody overreacts both positively and negatively. (laughs) Kerry Collins could, you know, I don't know. I mean, hell, he could be the MVP of the league by the time this thing's over. You do never know. You do never know. You do never know. Uh, what what about Romo? Let's move to the NFC now. Uh, obviously, you know what it takes to succeed in that team and that environment, and it just seems that Tony has this uh, gene. This, unless it's unfa- <laughs> it's unfair to say that, but it's just the, the turnovers seem to find him in the most crucial uh, moments, or vice versa. Uh, what what are your thoughts on Tony Romo's Week One performance, Troy? Well, it's just. Uh... You know, it's 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 an unfortunate thing for him, and 
because he had played so well going into that game. No one gave the Cowboys much of a chance against the Jets at at New York, and you know the Cowboys were pretty banged up and some young players on the offensive line, and you know and they were leading throughout that game, and and uh, without those turnovers, they they likely win the game. I. You know, I think that there are quarterbacks, um, you know, I'm not saying Tony's in this boat, but I think that by and large, watching a lot of quarterbacks around the league over the years, there's there's some guys that just don't quite get uh, situational football, you know, and I think that in that situation, you're competitive, you're trying to score a touchdown, and as a quarterback, I can speak from experience, you're not accustomed to getting hit like that, you know, so you feel like you're protecting the ball, you're doing everything you can, and then somebody just, you know, hits you a certain way, gets an arm in there where you're just not used to those kinds of contact. And so the ball comes out, um, you know, whereas if you'd had to do it over, you know, do you throw it away? Do you take it in? Yeah, if you knew what the end result was, but on that particular play, he's trying to make a play that is a relatively safe play. You know, I mean, it wasn't like he was throwing a ball in that situation, uh, down around the goal line, and then the ball was intercepted or he threw it into traffic. Uh, everyone was covered. He takes off running, trying to score the touchdown, and the ball comes out. That play in and of itself, I know the interception later in the game, but that interception obviously turned the momentum around and probably ultimately led uh, to them losing the game. And, and it, hey, you know, every time you're out there, every play as a quarterback, those things are potentially out there to have happen. And right now, and I, I get it, the perception of Tony is that, you know, when it's a tight game, he hasn't performed, or these turnovers, as, as you've talked about. Uh, I just know this, watching him compete uh, over the years in football, watching him compete when he's tried qualifying for U.S. Opens in, in golf, which I think someone who buckles under pressure would have a much no tougher doubt. time performing <laughs> in those circumstances. Yes. He. Rich, he likes those moments. I mean, he really does. He, he likes competing in those high-pressure moments. Does he always succeed in those moments? No. But uh, it's not like he's always failed either. And, uh, and I think that there are people out there that feel that he has never succeeded in those moments, and I would disagree with that. Well, so can, can they win a Super Bowl with this guy, do you think, Troy? I'm sorry? Can he, can the, I mean, this is the bottom line. Is he, can the Cowboys win a Super Bowl with this guy? Well, I believe that, that, that they can. The, you know, that question uh, is, is always a good question, and it's one that, that no one knows until you do it. You know, nobody thinks anyone can win a Super Bowl until they, until they actually do it. And we've seen a lot of players over the years that say, well, he can't win the big one. We were saying that about Peyton Manning, right. you know, at one time. Now, it, you know, you'd be crazy to think that yeah, Peyton yeah. Manning couldn't win the big one. I know. I, so, I sort of just uh, went against my, my rule because that's what I hate when, when, you know, TV shows throw to break. Can so-and-so win this <laughs> Sunday? Of course they can. So I just, I just, I'm shooting myself in the head. Will they? Ah, will they win a Super Bowl? Well, with Tony Romo, that's a dip. Um, that's, 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 uh, that's a good question. I, thank I think you. It, I think it goes beyond. I think it goes beyond Tony. I, I, I would tell you that this team, this Cowboys team, has had enough talent uh, already. You know, in, in in recent years, to have won a Super Bowl. I mean, they had the home field advantage 
you know, back a few years ago, they lost in the, the, you know, their first game, the divisional round to the Giants when they went on and won it all. And, I, and talking with other coaches and, and players around the league, the Cowboys, some people look at the Cowboys and say, ah, the, you know, everybody talks about how good they are. They're really not that good. Uh, that really comes from the media. I think when you talk to coaches around the league, they would tell you that the Cowboys over the years recently have been, have been really talented, one of the most talented teams in football. But for whatever reason, they just have not been able to pull it together consistently. We see that from a lot of teams up and down, up and down. But I think that the Cowboys have missed out on, on an opportunity already to have accomplished more than they have. That's not to say they can't go on and, can, and still do something special. But, you know, you just wonder in today's game, how long can you keep all these players together, the, the, the core nucleus of guys that, that really form your team? You can't count on keeping them as long as, once, as, as, one, as what you once could. And so that's why I don't know how many more opportunities they're going to get, you know, beyond this year or next year, whatever it might be. But, but I do, but they've already missed some. We can count on that. In the five minutes I have left, I want to hit a, on a couple of teams. You saw the Redskins, you and Joe Buck called the Redskins, a Gi- Redskins and Giants last week. Rex, I mean, Rex looked good. He had the, uh, he had the offense down pat, it seemed. He, he had the cardiovascular endurance and yeah. <laughs> the, the two minute drill in the first half. I mean, yeah. he looked. I've got to be the first one to eat a little bit of uh, humble pie on that uh, or crow because uh, he looked, I mean, one game in, he looked pretty good there. He did. He did look good. And, and you know, he struggled a little bit early, not, not, you know, atypical that, that happens. And especially in a week one game and, you know, you kind of get your feet underneath you and then he went on and and played exceptionally well. That, That entire team got better as the game went on. And, and then, uh, you know, this week, okay, well, you know, what's he going to be able to do this week? Well, now they play the Cardinals who, you know, only gave up over 400 yards passing to a rookie, you know, Cam Newton. So, you know, I, I, you know, Rex is, we all know what Rex has been, and he's been very hot and cold. Uh, turnovers have plagued him, and yet through it all, he has been an absolute professional, and he's gotten up and he's, he's taken the criticisms, he's gotten to the podium, he's answered the questions, he's taken responsibility. Uh, he's one of those guys that I think you just pull for because he's handled everything so well. And so I was happy for him, and it was good to see him go out and play like he did. And he's got a second chance now. And um, I can't imagine that, that the leash is going to be real long, but he stacks more games like he did in week one then that lease tends to get a little longer. So <laughs> we'll see what happens as we move through the year. And I assume Fox is sending you and Joe to the Superdome this week? We are, yeah. We've got a, we've got a Bears-Saints game. And, uh, you know, the Saints, who were better last year on defense under Greg Williams than they had been the year before when they, when they won the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, but that end, of the game, that end of the season game last year against Seattle in the playoffs, that, that was such an atrocious defensive effort. And then to go out and have the game that they had against the Packers last Thursday night, I don't know that we can can conclude anything because it was the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. But I think there's a, there's a little bit of pressure on this defense to go out and do something this week. Yeah, and uh, Jay Cutler as well looked uh, stellar. I mean, he yeah. looked stellar. They, they they ripped the Falcons in Chicago. I was surprised by that one, and and because uh, I still think Atlanta's a pretty good team, and and uh, for them to go in and, and get handled the way that they did was surprising to me. Offensively, with Martz, uh, you know, I I like Mike, and I feel like oftentimes over the years, you know, I'm apologizing for some of the things that he does. But I thought last year he did a great job of of you know going to the running game, doing what he had to do. 
they should be better on that side of the ball than what they showed a year ago. Look forward to it with you and Joe, Bears at Saints. Uh, Troy, uh, here's how much I really appreciate you and, and, and love having you on. Have you on even though you don't follow me on Twitter? I'm going to follow you right now. At Troy Aikman. Hey, hey man. check in five minutes. I'll be following Okay, you. because, I mean, you're, you're over <laughs> half a million followers. You only have 700-some-odd tweets. I think you need to get the volume up, if you uh, well, don't mind me saying. Hey, I'm trying. You know, I'm doing what I can. I know. I I'm going to be following you, though, so maybe I'll maybe my followers will grow. No, maybe so. Maybe yeah. so. Maybe so. And just follow, <laughs> I will, you follow me. Hey, listen, Bra- I, I, I've said it on this show before. Brady came on the podcast last year, won by 42 over the Jets. He came on last Last week, 517 yards. Uh, this podcast turns things to gold. Hey, well, I'm not, what is it going to do for me? I mean, that's just all you wait. I'm worried about. <laughs> just you wait. Just you, just you wait. Just right, you wait. I look forward to it. All right. Thanks a lot, Troy. Thanks, Rich. That's Troy Aikman. Now I've got pretty much one of my most favorite people on the planet here on the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Bud Light. The Roastmaster General himself, fresh off yet another Roast on Comedy Central. This one of the warlock, Charlie Sheen. I could not be more thrilled to have Jeffrey Ross here back on the podcast. Thank you, pal. It's great to see you, Rich. How are you, Jeffrey? I'm still sort of uh, sobering up from a crazy, (laughs) toxic weekend Mm -hmm. hanging with these maniacs. Yeah, but I I thought Charlie's all sober now, though. I mean... Listen, brain damage lasts forever. (laughs) This is uh, right. The whole thing was um, very, very over the top. I imagine so. Let's start from the beginning. Uh, you were part of Charlie's uh, Torpedo of Truth tour, correct? In a way, you were sort of an unofficial part, even though you were right. a regular on it. In a way, right? He did probably did about uh, six or eight shows, and it was on the verge of crashing. Mm-hmm. And uh, he called me. Um, in uh, Los Angeles the night before a show in Atlantic City, and he asked me to come out and and uh, moderate the unruly crowd. And I said, well, you know, uh, Jersey's my hometown crowd, and I don't know about moderating, but if you want to go out for 20 or 30 minutes and do your shtick, whatever that is, if it gets ugly, I will walk out and I will roast you in the style of a comedic intervention. <laughs> I was very upset that all these people had paid for tickets and he wasn't delivering on a show. Right. I didn't know Charlie. I'd never met Charlie. And he called you out of the blue then? No, I was expecting the call and they wanted me to come. And I said, if Charlie calls me and I know that I can say whatever I want unfiltered, um, I would do it. And I, I, he called me. I was at a party at Jimmy Kimmel's house. <laughs> uh, and everybody there told me I had to go do it. Um. And people started giving me jokes about Charlie and so on. So material was flowing from the, from the get-go. Then. This could have been the longest roast in history. So much <laughs> material. It could have been a three-part miniseries. And I got on a plane. I rode all night. And I landed in Atlantic City. And he did about 20, 30 minutes. And finally someone yelled, uh, I want a refund. And Charlie said, come up here. And the guy went on stage. And Charlie pulled $100 out of his pocket and gave the guy a refund. Now, what happens next? Everybody wants a 300 people bill. rush the stage. So I walked out in that moment in a full hazmat suit. <laughs> and I said, Charlie, I heard there was a bomb scare. I got here as quick as I could. Uh, no one deserves a roast more than a warlock. Are you up for it? He thought about it. He said, yes. I said, roll out the podium. It's a com- com- comedy intervention. And I, I went off on him from there about his tour. Mm-hmm. 
you know, saying things like, this is the worst show I've ever seen. If Bernie Madoff saw it, he'd ask for his money back and, you know, uh, just ripping into him uh, in the most unkind way. Uh, I could, much more vicious than, you know, the the old I only roast the ones I love right. motto was right out the window. And it was tough love from a fan. I always loved Charlie's movies, Wall Street and Platoon. Of course. Major League. I never saw Major League, sadly. Are you serious? But now uh, I've been given the DVD by a pal. Ricky Vaughn, the, the, fame, the famed closer. He was, I mean, he's one of the, uh, Spin City. Corbin Bernson was at the roast the other day for yeah. Major League, and I uh-huh. said he wasn't even invited. He called into a radio station and won tickets. <laughs> <laughs> so I wound up doing uh, eight shows with Charlie on his plane and his buses. And So after it was all over, it was such a smash success, they signed you up. You were, you were, you were now part of the, the crew for the Torpedo Truth Tour. Well, not, not so much. It was on a day-to-day basis. I didn't do all the dates. I had some charity commitments in L.A., so I missed a couple. Right. I, uh, but for the most part, I was on Charlie's uh, Sheen Force One, traveling the country, doing these crazy... Oh, and what else do I get to roast somebody on tour in three and 4,000 seat venues? Which is rare, right? For you? Yeah. I mean, you know, usually you roast them in a TV studio or right. at the Friars Club, but this was, you know, in Atlanta and Florida and... and and, and, and it was exciting to be traveling with this uh, circus. Right. And the jokes got meaner every night. I took it up a notch. And to his credit, Charlie was a great sport, maybe the best sport I've ever roasted to do it that many times. You have to realize at the same time, uh, he's getting all this uh, insane, awful press about the tour. Plus, he's going through a custody hearing. Plus, he's getting replaced on his TV show. This is all happening while we're on tour. So there's a lot of material. So I feel like, in a way, uh, this, the truth, the torpedo of truth, the truth was coming from me. You were the, the torpedo. You were, you were the actual human torpedo I like delivering that. the truth. You and didn't think, did I just come up with that, basically? You did. You did. The human you torpedo. See, that, that's, really why like you, that. that's why you need to call me when these things are happening. You know, you and I text me, we call, but you call me, I can, I can, I can hone things. I can hone things. I'm, I've got the marketing mind, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm working it right now, Jeffrey. I see that. You know. I can, I can, I always want to leave you in a better place. We Not were, that you need me that for that at all, Jeffrey, but that's just the way I feel about you. You're a good pal. You know? So you, uh, you finished this and then now it's while time we were for... on tour, while we we're on tour right. to finish the story, I sure. told Charlie, I said, we need to roast you on Comedy Central. You got to own this meltdown. Put it in a box and then look ahead, not back. I said, not a lifetime achievement award. Right. Not your family, not celebrities. Not big stars. I want big mouths. Mm-hmm. I want the most vicious comedians I can find to, to really, really give it to you, like a public hanging. And then you can hit the reset button on your life and move forward. And he's like, I'm in. Epic. Winning. He loved it. <laughs> he just loved it. Right. And, you know, within a couple of months, you know, uh, Comedy Central uh, made it happen. To their credit, they're, they're, they're really making this one big. And it's going to air the same night that Ashton Kutcher takes over Two and a Half Men. Monday night, the 19th at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So, Charlie, was that part of his, his I guess, agreeing to do this? That it had to be on the no, night that Two and no, a Half Men was debuting? It wasn't his call. No. He didn't even think of that. That came from our side. We wanted this to be a... You uh, are a torpedo. A you publicity are... spectacle. Yep. So, Wow. I didn't. I didn't know that this was your idea. I thought for sure he's like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta come up with something for me to do my own thing on the night. They that- wanted to do it sooner. They wanted to go right away in August after the tour. Mm-hmm. And I, I said back that I thought uh, people need time to miss them. 
Right. Give it the summer. We'll go back in the fall when the TV season starts without him. This guy had See, number one me. show. I love it. I love it. So, uh, but now, because again, you just did Trump. Right. Last time you were on the podcast, you were fresh off the Trump roast. Sure. And so how many, is this, is it a regular thing with Comedy Central now? Just two or three times a year for the roast? What is it now? Is, it, is there an actual set number? Or are you just, whenever the mood strikes and you find yourself a big fat target who's right. willing to do it, then you fire up the troops. How That's does that work? Great question. I, we would like to do them twice a year, and, and sometimes we do. And But the key, as you can see, Rich, and you follow this closely, is mm-hmm. it's got to be a man of the moment. And if you don't find the right one, you don't throw the party. Mm-hmm. It's got to be around a special occasion or it's got to be around uh, 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 you know, something like what Charlie's going through now. I don't know what you would call it. Uh, uh, he's having this sort of cultural uh, meltdown. And I thought that would be an interesting thing to uh, put out there. And... If we do one or two a year, it doesn't matter. I think it's about getting the right person. You need somebody with thick skin. You need somebody who's so made that they can take the jokes. It's not easy to find that person. No, but you you said uh, Trump at one point. You had to tell him to if you're enjoying it, tell your face. <laughs> Wasn't planned. He, you know, he just looked like he was about to get a, a colonoscopy while he was up there. He, <laughs> Which is not the sort of thing you want the 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 uh, roastee to be given out. The, those vibes. That's how did Charlie take it? Charlie took it very well. It was a very sort of a brotherly feel up there. We all had dinner, Charlie and the roasters, the night before to oh. sort of shake hands. You want to give at, a shout out? Where'd you have dinner? At uh, Mark Berg's house, Charlie's manager. Okay, and it worked. So it was really a private well. affair. Private very affair. private. It was something that I brought from the Friars tradition. Um, the friars the night before would pass a microphone around at a private dinner, and all the roasters would would uh, sort of toast the honoree the night before. No kidding. It's a chance to disarm each other, to shake hands, look each other in the eye. Uh, Charlie didn't know everybody who was going to be there, so I thought it was important for him to meet the uh, the comedians and the celebrities. That's cool. And it wound up being a really fun night because you start to think of jokes. You go into it with a different swagger. You can say, hey, I was with Charlie last night, and he told, and that makes the show. You know, it has a, a fraternal feel. What right? do you mean by that? It's a tradition? Like So so Milton and, and right. Buddy, Hackett, and all those guys would do that back in well, the day? Well, or? a few months back, uh, we roasted Quentin Tarantino uh, in New York at the Friars Club, and... Uh, we had a dinner they called the Abbott's Dinner that Jerry Lewis hosted. Jerry Lewis hosted it. For Quentin and for Samuel L. Jackson, who was the uh, MC slash roast master yeah. for that roast. And uh, we had a great time. Uh, everybody from uh, um, uh, the director, uh, Brett uh, Ratner, wow. to, uh, to Belzer, to, to all the roasters. We passed the mic around, you know. Uh, uh, Uma Thurman and and, Uma Thurman. and, uh, and all the characters from Tarantino's movies. Right. Uh, and, and it was uh, a great night. Uh, we got to, uh, you know, give each other a hug before the uh, insults fly. Yeah. Uh, because to me, that's again with the roast, because you're always on that edge. When you're roasting somebody, I mean, you're all you have to be. You have to be, and the roast ba- the roast master must set the tone. Mm-hmm. Must just go out and absolutely send the line that you think that's uh, appropriate to cross. Send that out even miles further than what you actually think is appropriate to just allow everyone else to fill in behind. And uh, I, I think that's a great it's a great way to just basically say, "Hey, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt you tomorrow night." 
but right now we can get some sort of mutual respect. So you don't think it's personal when I'm doing that. That's what it seems to me. To me, it's a little bit like, exactly, Rich. It's a little bit like the handshake at the beginning of a fight, Mm -hmm. you know, a boxing match. You go out there and have a good fight. Touching of the gloves. gloves. Right. And there was a moment when uh, one of the comedians, uh, Anthony Jeselnik, he had never met Sheen, and it was one of the reasons I wanted to have this party, this dinner party, where Anthony got to, you know, shake him in the hand and hit him on the shoulder and make a little crack, and Charlie laughed, and he said, hey, that's a funny guy. So suddenly uh, people start to uh, understand and respect each other. You know, Steve-O had a joke about uh, a comedian, and he met him in person. He's like, I can't do the joke. I like the guy too much. So uh, it does shape our uh, yeah, that's true. Our show in a positive way because it, it helps you uh, understand who you're making well, fun your of. Well, your boy Jezelnik uh, stole the Trump roast. He was funny, man. He's so he funny. was super in the Trump roast. What do you see him at this thing? Really? Yeah. He's going to be great. And uh, it's funny you mentioned touching the gloves. Tyson yeah. was roasting Charlie Sheen. I think he steals the show this time. Really? Uh, Sheen and Tyson are friends, which I think is just probably a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> and Tyson was the first person to go, I want to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. And he did a hilarious routine. Uh, Seth MacFarlane introduced him by saying something to the effect of this guy has won so many fights except his one against the letter S. <laughs> so then Tyson walks up to the microphone and says, thank you, Seth. And, you know, we're already laughing at every syllable. So how do you bomb after that? And Tyson took that as such encouragement. And he was the Courtney love of this roast. Tyson was all over the stage. He was heckling. He was laughing. Uh, his bit was hilarious. He crushed me a couple times. What was what did he say to you? What was he your said, favorite uh, one of that? <laughs> he said something to the effect of, uh, you know, Jeff Roth, when you were up here, I wanted to bite my own ears off. <laughs> <laughs> Which that, was my favorite moment of the night. That is classic. But he's also one of those guys, too, that you want to make sure... He, you know, we're, we're cool, right? Before you oh, say no, no, something. No, no. Let me tell you something. I mean, you need to make sure of that before you open your mouth. I went Mike. in his trailer after rehearsal. Mm-hmm. I said, Mike, it's good to see you. I'm so happy you're here. I can't believe you. You know, this is going to be the most uh, watched uh, Comedy Central show of the year and so on. And he seemed very into it. And I wanted to make sure that he knew I was coming from an affectionate place. I was a big fan of him as a fighter. You'd never met him before, before the dinner the night before. I had, uh, when I was on tour, he tracked me down through Twitter. What? To say hi and lend support for uh, Charlie. Because um, he's friends with Charlie. Yeah. So he didn't know how to find Charlie, so somehow he was a fan of the roast, and he told me that on Twitter, and then he direct messaged me uh, telling me that... Uh, uh, just sort of rooting me on for uh, roasting Charlie. I got to get him on this show. We got to get because I, I, somebody tweeted at me about three months ago. Do you know Mike Tyson follows you on Twitter? And I looked at it. And I'm, it it's got to be just from the Sports Center days yeah. back when he was oh, he's on a, ESPN he, 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 or, or he watches NFL Network. I don't know. But as soon as that happened, I direct message him. I'm like, is is this the real Mike? And he sent one back. So I'm I'm assuming it was. He has and, a very refined taste, and I'm sure he enjoys you. I, I, I was really impressed by Mike Tyson this time around. You know, I it wasn't too. I, I was hard on him, but in the end, I said, "Listen, I'm not going to be too hard on you, Mike, because you know, if you're willing to mess up your own face, imagine what you would do to mine." 
I mean, you know, I went on and on and on and that, on and on. That was on. You, that was part of the roast, or yeah. Okay. Oh my God, the tattoo. I said, uh, you know, what is that? A map of Waterworld? <laughs> you know, I just went <laughs> off on him, and I told him, you know, you know, William Shatner was sitting right next to him. I said, you're giving Captain Kirk a Klingon flashback over here and, <laughs> with that tattoo. And the I Shatner said, roast is one of the best too. Shatner was a was a great sport for coming back. You know, uh, Comedy Central said, well, you know, William Shatner wants to roast Tyson. And I said, you know, uh, well, we've roasted him before. I, I don't really roast people twice. That I thought about it. I thought, that's a great idea because it shows the audience that Shatner, who's been roasted, was a great sport and he's coming back for more. And he was funny. It was great having him up there. I love how this, this again, like I said, you're one of my favorite people. I just love this discussion because it shows how much thought goes into this. I mean, this is, you're not just throwing people out there and just figuring, oh, I got some funny people. Let me get this train wreck person. Let me get that one. There's a lot of preparation that goes into this, figuring out who's doing what and whether or not they're how, – how many people I – I pitched to the producers that if William Shatner comes – uh, they said, well, what's his connection to Tyson? I said, have him give some fatherly advice from a guy who's been there. And that's what Shatner will do on the show Monday night. Oh, very, very funny and very fatherly. Um, everybody sort of has their own angle, their own take. And uh, you don't want the show to seem uh, redundant as it goes through. You want it to have a sort of story. And by the time uh, Charlie gets up for his last licks, he's gone through a gauntlet. There's all this goodwill because he's endured these uh, zingers. And then he goes on and he uh, took control of the room in a really great way. I think you're going to enjoy his rebuttal at the end. I'm sure. I'm sure. Before we get to, before I press you for more details on that, uh, who else? Is, is Lisa Lampanelli back again? Lisa was not there um, this time. She had a, uh, a gig. She couldn't get she out of it. She had a previous commitment. Sometimes that happens with these roasts. You know, you put them together. We wanted a roast on a Saturday night because we wanted a great crowd. And then we realized afterwards, comedians are going to be booked on a Saturday night a month out. Right. So we ran into that with Lisa, which was sad. But, you know, when we bring her, when, when, when she decides to do the next one, it'll be uh, Even so f- refreshing. Right. The whole less not, is more, you, you know, you know you're She really is a killer, and she was missed. Um, we brought in uh, uh, Kate Walsh from Private Practice and Grey's Anatomy. And what was that Now, this was connection? an interesting one, Rich. That's what I said. What's the connection? Right. Turns out there isn't one. <laughs> she f- tracked us down. She, all her, you know, she was on Grey's Anatomy and played a doctor and all this, mm-hmm. but she, her root, her roots are in Second City in an improv, and she's a funny lady, and she never gets to show that side of her, and she volunteered to offer a strong female voice to give it to Charlie Sheen, and that's what she does. Did you? Make her audition, for the lack of a better no. phrase, because I mean, did you have to? No, I had worked with her. Years I mean, she's ago. a name person. I don't mean to to yeah. disrespect when I ask that, but I mean, uh, that's not the first person you think of when you have a roaster. It's actually the last person you would think of. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you know, and uh, to her credit, she delivered. She's she looked great. Mm-hmm. She did very hard jokes, especially she was up very early in the show. And uh, it was fun having a, a, a fresh perspective. Uh-huh. Who else? Um, another new uh, uh, Anthony's girlfriend, uh, a- Anthony Jeselnik's girlfriend, Amy Schumer. Okay. Uh, a comedian I know from New York. Uh, 
young, very beautiful, very, very ballsy woman. Mm-hmm. Um, r- one of the best sets of the night. Really gives it to Tyson. Right, to Tyson. Oh, she teasing him. She says, why do you have a tramp stamp on your face? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You know, it, 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 you know, we, we talk to a lot of more known comedians, but in the end... You need kind of a, a a newbie to really give it to them. The known ones are hesitant. Mm-hmm. They have stuff at stake. They have reputations at stake. They're not going to go into that flame. But when you take somebody like Anthony Jeselnik or Amy Schumer, who has nothing to lose, right. they're going to take much more vicious shots at Sheen. And I really thought for this roast to work, it had to be the meanest ever. It had to be rough. Charlie, as a person, likes it rough. Right. You know, he said to me when I was on tour with him, um, I said, some of these jokes might hurt. You're going through a custody hearing. You're getting fired. You got all this stuff going on. And he said, man, if you hold back, you're going to make me look bad. You're going to make me look weak. He said, deliver. Go for it. You know. it's. I mean, you'd be the first person I'd call in if that, if, if I needed to show to everybody that I can take a joke. Plus, it's not not a bad idea to have you as crowd control. I mean, because that, that, that's help. your forte. I mean, that's that's you're you're an expert at that. Oh well, that, that tour, that crowd was was more like a riot than a uh, show. And how a, many how many comeback jokes do you have? Just at you're ready for anybody in the crowd who dares speak up. Do you have? Is there a number? You endless can put on amount it? of uh, material in that sort of situation. Hundreds, right? I don't think about it. I don't think I have a list. It's just stuff comes up and stuff comes out in the moment. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if I read an article about, uh, you know, a lawnmower that day, there's a chance that I'll have a reference to a lawnmower in my show. (laughs) You know, there's no uh, rhyme uh, or reason of how my head works. Uh, Caffeine, Red Bull, these kind of things help right before a big show. (laughs) You want the mind ticking, uh, you know, 5% faster than the audience's, and then you're okay. I remember the first show in Atlantic City, some old man jumped up while I was roasting Charlie. Let Charlie talk! Who are you? And uh, I just buried the guy, and I looked out at the 4,000 people, and I said, there's a new sheriff in town. Shut the heck up. Uh, (laughs) Not in those exact words. And then, um, you know, you uh, it's like a lion tamer. You know, when you have a crowd like that at a roast, uh, you're going to get heckled from all sides. Yeah. And I feel like I'm, I'm putting out these fires all over the room. And I, I love it. I love getting heckled. I have no problem with that. Bring it. That's probably where you're at your most comfortable. Bring a gun to a knife fight. That's what I say <laughs> in my roasting. So uh, let's get to your act, your mm-hmm. bit, your mm-hmm. Uh, get up is the only way I can I can I can put this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you roasted Charlie Sheen mm-hmm. for this roast again. That's going to be on Comedy Central Monday night, uh, September nineteenth at ten thirty p.m. Eastern time for the first of what's no doubt many airings. You decided to roast Charlie Sheen dressed full head to toe as Muammar Gaddafi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was a struggle. Yeah. I thought about it, and I backed out twice, and then finally, two days before, I had to pull the trigger, uh, pun intended, uh, because it took a couple days to make the uniform. I wanted to look exactly like Gaddafi at the height of his military uh, craziness, and I had two female bodyguards, went full on, dressing like a warlord to roast a warlock. (laughs) 
When did you come up with this? Like just sitting around no, or, or uh, over your the last couple of months since the uprisings in Libya? Right. Friends and 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 Twitter followers started sending me pictures of me side by side with Gaddafi. Apparently, we look like each other. <laughs> oh, you t- Yes, we do. And do you, if, uh, you fully admit that you look like Muammar Gaddafi. I'll show you the pictures when we're done. Okay. Um, side by side. Uh, um, there's definitely a resemblance. And I thought his uniform was pimp. I was like, I can rock that. That is a rock and roll roast. I'm going full on Gaddafi. Mm-hmm. And my good pal Bob Saget said, oh, just look handsome. You don't need that. You know, you have great jokes. I said, I've done nine in a row. Great jokes isn't enough. I want to do something that breaks it up for me. Mm-hmm. I want to have fun. And, you know, uh, dressing like uh, this despot, you know, uh, uh, I thought would, uh, for me, make it a party. And um, I don't think I have a real, I don't address it once in my set. You just come up. That's <laughs> I'm, it. I'm sitting there the whole day from red carpet to after party, <laughs> completely dressed as Gaddafi. In a powder blue Gaddafi uh, yeah. outfit as yeah. well, by the way. Where does one find that? How did you? Where do you, do you do you go to the go the, the, the despot store in Hollywood I go or to something the K- like Gaddafi corner on Pico? I don't know if you guys <laughs> allowed to plug stuff, but <laughs> I don't know if the sponsors are going to like that, unless of course they sell Bud Light at the Gaddafi <laughs> corner on Pico. So you just found I just, it? Uh, I, had, I had Comedy Central uh, made it for me. Um, they made it for you. Oh yeah, good for you. Look this at how is, big time this is getting, man. It's so you got costume departments. You got people like Kate Walsh calling you up, wanting in. And I'll tell you what, uh, the Betty White Renaissance started with the Shatner roast. I, I heard be- that. I, yeah. No doubt about it. I w- you invited me there that night. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. crushed it mm-hmm. that night crushed it mm-hmm. and i remember i was sitting next to um, susie my wife and i'm like who who who'd have thought that she could talk like this and i know she's funny i mean she's in mary tyler moore and whatever but there's no doubt you've never that's if I, 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 I mean it no occurred to us at, at the roast it, it occurred there's to no the roast doubt. family that we sort of uh now gave she's her this big opportunity now yeah now and now people are paying attention and she wound up on saturday night live with a facebook um i guess campaign for her and, and you think the roast no question sort of, yeah no you have a good it. eye for those sort of uh no cultural pushes that people get she's never been in a light like that um on com- she was great i think this one's gonna between this and the hangover movies will be tyson's sort of uh coming out no as a comedian kidding he was really funny so you're tight with him now I mean, uh, we had a good thing. I think we had a good thing. He was a really good sport. <laughs> they and, told him uh, he had a map of Waterworld on his face. Well, you'll see in the broadcast, he sort of gets up and, and starts to heckle me, and I back down. <laughs> I was nervous. I did not trust what he was going to do. Even though you were dressed as Gaddafi? I mean, that might give embolden you. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure he knew that I wasn't the real Gaddafi. <laughs> I told him the real Gaddafi. I said, don't worry, the real Gaddafi's hiding in Charlie's nostrils right now. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. That's great. Awesome. What else you got going on? Anything else? I'm going to be ramping up a, uh, a new project for Comedy Central, and uh, oh. I'm really excited about that. I don't want to okay. give too much away yet, okay. but we'll start pre-production now. Okay. And... Uh, Basking in the glow of uh, what possibly was my favorite roast ever. Wow. Really? I did that... 14 minutes. I couldn't get off stage. Talk about, you know, an easy target. Yeah, 
Right. I know. This it became so fun where it was almost effortless. And he didn't mind it. All the work was so hard, but yet so easy. Right. You know, it's not, you know, they, people say every Charlie Sheen joke has been made by the late night shows and by every comedian and by everybody in their uh, office, so water cooler. I said, no, it hasn't. Not by roaster. You can make jokes about Charlie Sheen all day long, but when he's sitting there and you're telling him to his face, mm, it mm. elevates it into another thing. That's the best part about roasts. It's awesome. Yeah. It's great. Um, roastmastergeneral.com as well, right? Roastmastergeneral.com. Rich, thank you for always getting the word out on the roast. It's so much Please. fun, It's man. the best. I, I, I love it. I, I love it. It's a throwback, but it's also now its own... Entity for for our times, you know what I mean. Certainly and different than the Dean Martin roast. Was, I, I don't know if anybody showed up. You know, trust uh, Hitler at the roast of John Wayne. No, I don't think so. <laughs> for instance, right? Nobody had a you know a, a, a full half uh, face of tattoo or anything like that. I mean, this is this is, but it's just like I said, it's it's old school. I, I love old school uh, stuff. I, I roasts from back in the day or some of my favorite things to even just watch again, yeah, even those Dean Martin ones, you know, and it's just a, like I said, not to get too deep into it, but it's just a great way f- to laugh mm-hmm. because uh, the truth uh, hurts, you know, sometimes, but it's also the best. It's the best way to tell a joke sometimes, too. And it's just I just love those formats. It's. It's a it's it's awesome, and I can't wait to see the Charlie Sheen one too. I, I can't. I think you're going to love this one, Rich. I Good. know your sense of humor, and Good. this is going to be something uh, something to remember. September nineteenth, Monday night, September nineteenth on Comedy Central. Jeffrey Ross, the Roastmaster General. Love himself. you, pal. Good. Same here. Say hi to Susie. You. you bet. Same here. Uh, Jeffrey Ross here on the Rich Eisen podcast, presented by Bud Light. Where uh, I don't know if they're got a distributor for the Qaddafi Corner <laughs> on Pico. <laughs> We'll look into that now that we're friends with a new sponsor. Fun show. That was fun. Jeff yeah, Ross right. and um, Kara Henderson, Nick Bakai, and Troy Aikman and Terrell Suggs. My favorite part of the show, Terrell Suggs saying he's afraid of, he was afraid of Thriller. <laughs> he was afraid of Thriller. I liked his, uh, his no bling line because he has kids. Yeah. He's a blingless life. Maybe that, that's a new sitcom. Terrell Suggs stars in a blingless life, a wacky scenario where, what is it, a, uh, a wacky sitcom, defensive end, rules the gridiron on Sunday and then comes home and is leading a blingless life with his two kids and his wife and his front lawn. Thursdays. When when he said rap beef, did you, were you I had no idea what he said. Rap? rap beef. I thought he said rat, first of all. Rat, okay. I'm like rat beef. What's a rat beef? And then he said rat beef. And then clearly I was still lost because I'm white. <laughs> um, the good people of Bud Light, who are now sponsoring this show, are holding Bud Light fan camps across the country throughout the football season. And you've you've seen one of these fan camps in person, have you not, Chris Law? I did. Uh, we were in Canton, Ohio. They had one set up. It was a good time. Um, basically, it's almost like an obstacle course for fans. You get to throw the ball at a moving target. You get to test your hands on a on a guns um, on a. Um, what are those? Uh, the gun that jugs gun. Jugs gun. Please, good, goodness gracious, we don't want to. It's it's a safe environment. 
That's right. It's a Jugs gun. It's a right? Jugs gun. Okay. <laughs> we had Suggs on my brain from Terrell. A Suggs, Suggs gun. A Suggs gun. Yeah, well. Uh, you run a little obstacle course. It's a, it's a really fun time. Fun actually. times where you basically bring the family, hang out, play some football, and show off your skills. And, and the Bud Light fan camps uh, this week are located in Des Moines, Iowa, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Norfolk, Virginia, and Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio. Oh, boy. Speaking of which, <laughs> what a weekend for the Michigan Wolverines, man. Ooh, stop. What a weekend. What yeah. a weekend. I got to give him credit, Rich. You know me. You know where my heart lies. And every year, I hate when you get to. Dude, beating Notre Dame like Ugh. that is is special. I mean, it's special. And I met uh, great, Brian though. Kelly was part of our draft Coverage. I, know, yeah. I loved meeting. Oh, him. he was so good. He was loved so, meeting. Yeah. Good man. Good. He's a competitor. He's he's. He, he, here's the faint praise I can go. He's he's gonna get that. He, he's gonna get that program back on its feet. Oh, he totally. Hell, will. Oh yeah, he's he gonna, totally. You're will. gonna be fine. You'll be fine with him. Yeah, it's just dude. Oh. But I in that house in oh, that place. Oh boy, to be, I'm telling you what that place. I'm insane. so. I mean, I just wanted to be there yeah. so bad. I even did to just it's, watch. It's it. never been like that, and the, and the, and because when I was there, and for years, for years, it's a big bowl. So all the you can have 106,000 people, 115,000 people yeah. there, and you could still, as an opponent, call your plays, and you could you could be heard because all the sound goes up. Yep. Now the luxury boxes that all the the hardcore, um, all the hardcore uh, old school folks at Michigan fought to build. That's yeah. keeping the sound. Yeah, in. it's loud. I would love to take my meter out there to see how loud it is on that field. During a game, and, so, and, and by stadium, by and by, by 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 meter, sound meter. I thank you. Do, I okay, I just want to make sure that's something I do with Mooch at every I mean, game. One of the best things we do. He doesn't even know I'm going there, but he had no idea oh, where I was. I'm sorry, it went right over your head. By by meter, you mean sound meter? Sound meter. I'm All sorry. Right. I'm and sorry. they got the pom. They got the pom poms. Everyone with the maze pom poms. That was great. And and the folks in Columbus, Ohio, they had a scare. Toledo put a little scare in them right there. They almost tattooed him. <laughs> Des Moines, Iowa, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Norfolk, Virginia, Columbus, Ohio are the locales for this week's Bud Light fan camps. For more details on the exact location and times in your area, visit the Bud Light Facebook page. And remember, you must be 21 to participate. So That's... when you bring the family, make sure the kids are over 21. <laughs> I'm just learning. I'm just learning. We just got the sponsor. I'm I'm learning. About what the uh, rules are here, so that's the Bud Light fan camps. Just say drinkability and you'll be good. Uh, oh, is that is that right? Drinkability, Bud Light. Well done. I think you're, you're you just earned yourself a, a case. They can send me whatever they want because right. it will be all right. They should be listening. I hope they are. I mean, they're sponsoring this and they're sponsoring our the NFL dot com new podcast page. Correct. That is correct. They are um, sponsoring the entire page. We've got a, a whole bunch of new podcasts. What are they? Uh, the coaches show with your guy Brian Billick and yep. Coach Mora. They're going to be doing a little special podcast each week. Right. We're uh, doing a no huddle with uh, the, the four guys sitting down, and then uh, we got the Dave Damashek football. The program. no huddle is a podcast too. The no huddle is going to because they go. So it's long. a TV show and a podcast. Yeah, they, well, they go long. Yeah, yeah. I wonder who started that <laughs> idea at NFL Network. Who started that idea? Where did they get that idea? Yeah, this is true. We're blazing freaking trails here, man. <laughs> We're making Tom Brady better, which woe to the rest of the league. And just by his merely showing up here. And we're giving ideas. 
man. I mean, I, and they say, and they say, uh, I'm not doing enough around here. Actually, nobody's saying that. <laughs> what else do we got? Oh yeah, one last thing. Uh, curb your enthusiasm. The eighth season's in the books. Remember when the guys came on to promote the eighth season? That Absolutely. was two months ago now, man. I know. Wow. We taped that July. We taped that in June, actually. Yeah, Remember that? We taped actually, that in June, June, and we June, held yeah. it till July. Yeah, yep. we held it. So it's been a long time now. It's been almost three months, three months since we taped that. Time flies. That was so much fun with Larry David, J.B. Smoove, Bob Einstein, and uh, Jeff Garland, friend of the program, and we got to get back on here. Um, crow about his bears. Huge bears fan. Right. Oh, yeah. uh, at any rate, so we came up with social scenarios to bounce off the guys for them to play judge and jury about what's the right thing to do as a citizen of the world. And um, I mentioned thank you notes because uh, my wife always, certainly when I'm sending thank you notes on behalf of us to somebody, she's always, always within days asking me, did they get the thank you note? I'm like, how do I know they got that? I'm assuming they did. I mean, the address was fine. The postage was correct. Yeah. You have to send a receipt. Always. Isn't that wrong? Wouldn't that be wrong to send a thank you note with receipt, return receipt requested? <laughs> that would be great. That would sort of, that would sort of. That would be great. That would be offensive, wouldn't it? <laughs> Actually, it would be offensive. Wouldn't that, wouldn't, 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 that, wouldn't that make it like a zero sum? Wouldn't that wash out the concept of the thank you note? I'd probably rip it. I got right. That that I Return receipt and sending a thank you note like it was a I'm legal document. Do I'm going to do that now that I just. Oh, good luck to you. Tell me how that works. You'll be our works. test case. I will tell you how that works out. He'll send I it to his to mom send... whenever she sends him his socks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, just I think I just eisened it. <laughs> you eisened it. So at any rate, which, by the way, just by saying you eisened it, you eisened it yes. by bringing something back. That's now three weeks old, as Paul Rudd and Joe Buck coined it. <laughs> Uh, in August. So uh, at any rate, we, we mentioned thank you note because, again, I'm always hearing, like, did they get it? Did they get it? So I asked the guys if it's appropriate, if we should create something, a, a social order that when you receive a thank you note, it's acknowledged somehow. And this is how the discussion went. Do you tell the person who sends you the thank you note that you have received no. the thank you note? No. In other words, a you're welcome no. note. You don't no. need it. You're welcome. It becomes ridiculous. Where does it end? It goes on forever. Yeah. But when you send a thank you note, don't you wonder whether no. it's been received? Because no. you don't no. want you, to you, be you coming know. across to that person that the thank you note has not been well, sent. Well, then there should be a you thing want... in email where they just write you back going, I got it. That's it? Are you That's talking it. about an email or something in no, the mail? Something, no, something. No, no, but I'm saying it should be an email. Some form of communication note. from the – because when you send the no, thank you note, saying, don't is, you is want – Is your thank you note an email or is it an actual note? No, it's note? an actual handwritten note. I think handwritten a note? thank you no. note is a finality. Yes, that's – I think yes. you're saying thank you for what you did. If you yeah. come back and say to me, mm -hmm. thank you for your thank you note, right. I'm not going to talk to you again. Yeah. Because Ever again? No, because we'll be doing this the rest of our life. I, I don't send do nothing. That. I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to. You don't send a thank you. No, you don't send one. You know why? Because why? then that person that you the thanking, they feel entitled to like, oh, I gave you something. You know what I mean? And I and I thank well, you. Well, suppose for suppose somebody too much, you, too much. suppose somebody sent you a gift. You don't send nothing. 
They know they send you the gifts. <laughs> no, you don't got to remind them that they sent you. No, that's making people feel dumb. You got to remind them that they sent you a gift. Come on, man. They know they sent you a gift. He hasn't. There's no basis for that opinion. Okay. Of course it is. You don't have to remind people. This is just his blather. But you're against gifts. No, I'm telling you something. See, see. I know you. I know you, Larry. Larry, you would hate someone that keeps sending you stuff and keeps sending you thank you. You would say, why is this? I, I got it. Why don't I remind you, you that I, I got it? I sent him a gift. Hmm? And That's he thanked me before he opened it. <laughs> and I sent him a letter. I see? said, I see your shoes. I see your things. <laughs> I hope you enjoy these because I wear them too. And they were size 18 Nike tennis shoes. And so he went from thanking me before he opened it to calling me every name in the book. And he, what did you do with those? I threw them There's out. There's no use. <laughs> you threw them out? I would have taken him just for the fun of it. But you understand what I'm saying? There's someone right now on the street, laying on the street with no shoes on, but who's a size 18. Give me those. You would have loved But you understand what I'm saying, though, is that when you send a thank you note, you want to know that it's been received. You can't You know how many seriously? You know how many times my wife says to me, Did you think they got the thank you note? Did you know? Well, when I see them again, do they say did they say anything to you that they get the thank you note? You know, I mean I get that a lot. I get that all the time. So what is what is your solution? I don't know. The solution is is that when you get a thank you note, you pick up the phone, or the next time you see the person, oh, hey, no. I no, got your thank you note. Send me another note. No. By the way, that's it. You're welcome. Nice. Oh, you're welcome. If you though. would thank me for my thank you note, so now you have an enemy. Keep yeah. going. It's like dominoes. I have a feeling we we dealt with this on Seinfeld. This issue is that right? I think effect. so. Yeah. Classic. That was great. Classic. So I. Of course, did the right thing. I mean, I, I, I try to do the right thing. Larry David coming on and, and giving us all that time and and then all the other guys coming on. I sent Larry um, a box of Pro V1s with the NFL logo on it. It said, thank you. And I included a note that said, thank you, but no need <laughs> to acknowledge this. Right? So weeks later... I got a, uh, an email from his assistant saying, hey, Larry, uh, basically, what's your address? And I'm like, I gave my address. Two days later, an envelope with the Curb Your Enthusiasm logo top left of the of the envelope. Uh, I open it up, and it's just a card, a Larry David personal card that says, you're welcome. I love it. <laughs> LD. That's great. <laughs> That's great. That is great. How long did you laugh for when you Dude, opened it? I just opened it up. I, I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. That's great. It's the first and only you're welcome note I probably will ever receive, but I I, I mean, I have to frame this, right? Yeah, you you got to send back a thank you note for your No, do I, do, do I keep going? Do we keep going? Absolutely. <laughs> for the thank you. Oh, oh that, man. That is great. What a show. Those guys on was uh, definitely a highlight for me. That and, was one of the best. Oh, that was a great uh, show. Me too. Me too. And we're going to get uh, Jeff Schaefer, one of the writers. He's coming in, I think, early October to promote uh, his show, The League, on FX, you know, that fantasy football show. I love show. that. I, I honestly, not just saying it, I do watch that show. Good. I like that show a lot. Good. Good. Uh, next week, Josh Charles of The Good Wife. He's v- lending the voice to the uh, Football Life series that starts – uh, this week with the first of two parts of the Bill Belichick documentary, which I'm excited to see. Very nice. Uh, he will be in studio. He's a big Raven fan. Mention the Mayflower vans to him. It's like waving a red flag in front of a bull. I'm telling you. He is hardcore. He is like diner. I'm telling you. 
with just, the Baltimore Colts and his Ravens. He's like diner. Well, isn't his Twitter handle like Baltimore Josh or it, something? Yeah, well, he was. He changed it to Mr. Josh Charles. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, he did that recently. We'll ask him why he changed his Twitter address. Yeah. Can we ask him about Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead? Of course. You can ask him anything. He's one of the coolest chill dudes. He was here. He was part of the the uh, oh, yeah, Hollywood, Hollywood Fantasy Hollywood Football. Fantasy, like, he won yes. it one year. He won it one year. You he just Paul Rudd. You Eisen. That doesn't count. No, no, it's a, it's different. I think you used it wrong. Okay, I'm sorry. Right? Del Tufo. No, I just okay. shut my mic I appreciate off. that. My mic's off. Actually, you just yeah. Del tufo <laughs> You sounded like an idiot. You screwed up. Oh, boy. That's what that would be. Uh, he's on Charles Barkley Returns to the podcast. Chuck, Sir Charles will be on. So with Josh Charles and Charles Barkley, that means the onus is on Jamal Charles to have a big week. So we'll have him on. And it'll be a Charles in Charge podcast. Can we get some Scott Bale? And then we'll get Scott Bale. Let's work on Scott Bale. That would be. I'll make I'll make a few calls. We'll see. That yeah. Come on. That's a good idea. We just came up with that. that <laughs> right? I, yeah. See, you no. don't get this on... on, on uh, about NFL Network's own Fran Charles. Ah! I like it. And and Charles Davis. Ooh. Chuck we're, we're, wow. Charles in Charge would be the name of the show. He just okay. still two-footed again. I again. Yeah, you did. I'm just going to shut my mic off. That's it. <laughs> so that's it for this week. Thank you, Sarah. I love it. Look at Sarah getting in on the act here. This is great. Del Tufo, thanks to you. Thank, Thank you, Chris Law. Thank you, Chris Law. And okay. Paul, let's give Paul a shout-out. Yes, Paul right? next door. Paul and Ollie. Paul and Ollie next Dude, door. His, his last name is not next door. <laughs> he said Paul next door. If I actually said his last name, Paul Barzar and Ali Cargar. Thank you. They helped out with the sound. They, yes. they did. They did. I want to yes. thank everybody in this building because it's all hands on deck to make sure this thing actually gets put together with what's going on around here. Uh, I want to thank them. So, uh, and, and who will be our guest next week? I don't know. Maybe we get Brady. I'm telling you. What are the guests? I don't even know the I, guests. I don't even get, do you have that? <laughs> you don't have the games? What are the games? I don't even know the games. They should play that on NFL Countdown on ESPN every time Ditka talks. Did they even know? Did they even know that they have a man on the set no. who is famous from around here for not even knowing the games? One day I will. Tell when he that was story an analyst here, when I recorded that and why, because it was like four thirty in the morning next week. Yes, I got to tell the story. I would. All right, that's a tease. That's a yeah. tease. Rich Eisen podcast presented by Bud Light. Signing up. Stay listening to 